as I was praying and just getting ready to come down to be with you all, I just had a flashback in my mind of a memory. And I felt like the Spirit of God was saying something before I'm even going to preach today. And that is to trust God no matter what it looks like. Have faith in God that everything's going to work out in your favor. Somebody say amen. And I got that word for you. It's something so simple but so profound if we can really just do it, really just trust God. And um, years ago, when we first started the church, um, a lot of you know the story, a lot of you don't know the story, but my wife and I, we, we were born and raised in Rockford, Illinois. And um, then my folks started a church in, in Beloit, Wisconsin in 1989, which is only 20 minutes north of Rockford. So we were always in and out of Beloit anyway, so it's like kind of our second city uh, to go to. And, um, and so my wife and I, before our kids were born, were a part of that. Actually, we were in the front row of the church. We were the part of the founders of that church. And of course, um, a lot of things we've, we've done throughout the, the years of being there for a decade until we launched out to do our ministry God called us to do. So he called us to come to Milwaukee and uh, very, very supernatural, I'll tell that story another time if you haven't heard that one either. Very, very supernatural how God did that. And, um, um, and we're here as a result of his word t- to us to come here. And um, we um, started um, the building, uh, actually we started to meet uh, uh, at um, the Howard Johnson's. It's now called Airport Inn, which is on, uh, on, on what is that, Layton right there, right? Right, right by the freeway. And when you get off, you can see it, this little white building. And we were able to get that building for just a few bucks. So praise God, we were cheap and we didn't have a lot of money. And so we started right there. And we were there for about maybe five or six months. And then um, God opened the door for us to be in another place, in a place that's called Deer Creek Elementary School. Deer Creek is located on uh, Kinnikinick um, in, um, it's actually St. Francis, um, right before you get into Bayview. So um, I don't know if you know where it's at, but anyways, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like an older building, but sits back in this wooded lot. And you had to know somebody, know somebody, know somebody to find us at the church because we weren't even in the first building. We were behind that building in another building, which they had built for recreation, a pool and that kind of thing. And so we met in an, uh, a uh, theater that was upstairs. So if you didn't want to tra- travel two, two flights of stairs, you would have never got into our church. That was our church. And we were there for three, a little over three years in that facility. And um, we were there probably the first maybe month and uh, we were meeting um, on midweeks only. Uh, I was still traveling back and forth, helping the church in Beloit. And so didn't have enough people yet to carry us full time here in Milwaukee. So I was going back and forth. And, um, and so my wife and I uh, were up here and it was summertime. I remember it was really, really warm. It was, we started the church in May, this was June. And it was, I remember being just like a real humid night. We didn't care. We were happy to you know, travel. We were living in Janesville at the time, traveling up here to be a part of our brand new church. Our church midweek service, maybe 20 people, something like that we, we would come to, which we were happy to have, praise God. Somebody to speak to and to minister to. And, uh, but there was definitely a spark. There was definitely something special. You could feel something special happening. And, um, and so uh, we had our van, and what I would do in my van, I'd had, I had a lot of the equipment that we would use. Uh, my, little, my little, it was a Pulp, what do you call those, uh, music stands. I had a little music stand that fold, fold, folded up for my Bible. And, uh, and so we were ready for church that night to go in. Well, we get there, and the kid that was supposed to open the building didn't show up. And so we're locked outside. And all the numbers we were given to have somebody help us get into the building, uh, was we, they wouldn't answer. They just wouldn't pick up. So here we are now at 7 o'clock. It's time for church. 
and we can't get into the building. So I, I remember walking around the facility and I found a little spot. And by the way, by the way, I was upset. I was not a happy camper about this at all. I'm up, I'm hot. It's like 90 degrees, sweat's running down my back. I'm sweating, swatting all kinds of uh, mosquitoes. And, and so I walked around and there was a little cove in the building with about three park benches. And it had a tree. It was kind of cozy looking. I thought, well, that's about the best we can do for tonight. So we had everybody come over uh, into that area, had them park around the back of the building and had them park there. And then you could just, you know, the parking lot was right there and then there's those benches. And so we kind of set up there. A guy who played music for me had his own guitar. So at least we had a guitar and um, we started setting up. And I'm thinking this whole time going, this is just nuts. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. You know, this is not the way I, I, I think church should be excellent in all that you do and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and I'm, I'm preaching, and then it hits me, the word that I'm about to preach. As sweat, by the way, I have a suit on. This is back in the days when you had suits. Y'all don't remember that in church, we actually wore suits. And I like a suit, I like a suit. Every now and again, I'm gonna wear a suit. But, th- th- but that was when you just did it, right? And uh, I think I remember taking my tie off, and that's about it. But I kept my jacket on, and I'm sweating profusely, and the title of my message is about how God wants to prosper you. And I'm thinking, what a terrible message to preach as we're sitting out here swatting mosquitoes, you know, sweats running on our backs. And then there's a couple other things that I won't mention that happened in, in the middle of the meeting that was just made it even worse. And so I'm just, I'm, all I could think about was I'm getting out of here. As soon as I, I say goodnight, I'm leaving. I don't want to talk to nobody. I, I just don't want to be asked any questions. They already knew what happened, but I, I was embarrassed. So y'all don't know about being embarrassed. Well, I, I was, I'm being honest. So I, I grabbed my wife and said, come on, we're out of here. She goes, why? I said, we got to go right now. You got to go. So we get in, get in the van and go towards the van, packed up my little stuff, put it in. And a guy's chasing me. Pastor, pastor. I thought, oh, no, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Oh, no. He's going to ask me something about what happened tonight. I'm like, ah. Oh. So um, he chased me down. He said, hey, before you go, I want to give this to you. And he had handed me a packet that we had given the people a, couple weeks earlier that if they wanted to join the church and become a member of the church sign up the packet and just give it to me and then you know we're going to bring you up on a Sunday and we'll pray for all those who want to become members of the church he said pastor I prayed about it and God said you're to be a member of this church and he was a drummer we didn't have any musicians yet so he was our first musician added to the only one that we had and he became a vital part I actually later about three years later I hired the guy full-time I work in our church. He was our maintenance guy. People might remember him. his name is Randy Weber. He was the guy that did that. And he was actually playing at another church. He, had, he was only playing once in a while in our church because Def, who was his friend who played the guitar, he, he, he would ask him to play. That was it for no other reason. And now here's the guy saying, I want to join your church. I thought, who in the world would want to join this church? As we sat outside, you could tell I was antsy to go. You could tell that people weren't that comfortable. But you know what? That was more my hang-up. As I remember it now, people were smiling and happy. I was the only one that was miserable out of the whole night because I had a certain way that I thought God should respond to me. And I felt like he left me out. And I felt like he abandoned me. And here I am embarrassed about everything. And yet we got a guy that's saying, I want to join your crazy outdoor service church. 
I said all that to say this, and by the way, he became a vital part of our ministry. I said all that to say this, that God's working something out for you you don't see. And even though you may be embarrassed by your circumstances or hung up on some things that you think that God should have done by now and it hasn't happened by, by, at this point in time, I'm reminding myself right now, and I'm reminding you right now, God is working something out behind the scenes that will say, I believe in you, that will actually put his stamp of approval upon you. I felt like a loser, and yet God, by the end of the night, made me feel like a winner, even though at the time I was a whiner. Come on, someone say amen to that. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. Everybody say, I'm all in. Say it with some authority. I'm all in. Now look at your neighbor and say, we don't do church. We are the church. Now give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Come on. By the way, I believe that the greatest way you develop your walk with the Lord and identifying your purpose is to serve in the house of God. I'm telling these little stories, but they're so, they're so real to us. To go back in time, you know, this, this coming Sunday, we're celebrating 30 years of full-time ministry. Amen. Thank you. And uh, one, two, three, two and a half of those years before that, uh, we had served in ministry, you know, with the, with the church, like I said, in Beloit. And um, just we weren't full-time at, at that time. We were just volunteering. But the point that I'm making to you is this, is that one of the things that I remember doing that was probably one of my greatest successes, had a lot of failures, y'all, made a lot of mistakes, uh, was led by the flesh and things that I shouldn't have been. And, and I like to tell you the truth. I'll tell you the good and the bad. By the way, the Bible tells you the good and the bad about people. It doesn't just give you the good. It tells the whole story because it encourages people. We're just people. And I made my mistakes and I did my stuff. But one thing I can say I did successfully was I made my, we made up our minds that no matter what was needed by my father and my mother, who happened to be our pastors at the time, or what the church would need, if it was in our power to do, we'd simply step up to the plate and do it. We would just make that happen. You didn't look any further, we'll take care of that. And even though, you know, I didn't maybe know all the ins and outs of how to do something, I just felt like I'm, I'll, I'll learn. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And... Um, and so we did. And I've told many of you all, our first part, one of the first things that we ever did was that we were in charge of, we were renting a school building at the time, and we were in charge of making sure that the bathrooms were clean, uh, obviously before service, but really intentionally after service was the real big problem because kids and adults make mess and have, there's paper on the floor and there's things that left in the toilet. Hallelujah. Uh, there's spit wads from the kids when the kids go in there. And so you, you, uh, we, we didn't want the school to have a problem with us being there. So our job was to make sure we did it. And we did it. For the most part, it wasn't that big a deal. You go and you check, a couple pieces of paper on the floor, wipe down, you know, wipe down the sinks or something like that. Once in a while, you had a mess, praise God. And then that's when your faith was tested. But my point to you is, is we said, yes, we'll do that. We'll take care of that. The next thing that came up was youth ministry. They, they had like seven or eight, nine youth and nobody to, to help them or, and to, um, to grow them. And so my dad, I remember sitting, sitting us down. We were still living in Rockford at the time. And um, he, they'd moved to Beloit, sitting down on Arrowhead. I remember that. And saying, hey, I want to talk to you guys. Uh, what do you think about being uh, youth directors? We had these kids that get together and just take it and said, yeah, we'll do it. And, and I didn't go to him. Let me pray about that. Let me fast about that. And maybe I should have. But my heart was always, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
And so we did it. And man, did I grow. Because now I have to study and I've got I've to I've be prepared. I worked a full-time job. And, 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 so, and, and, and now I've got to uh, stand and public, public, public speak, which is not easy to do. It was very, very difficult for me. And uh, I remember just looking down. Praise God. One page, go to the next page. Third page. Come on. Because I looked up. Here's what I saw. <laughs> Talking to each other, you know. But that's how, I, that's how I began. You got to start somewhere, right? And, but I was faithful to that. And then I got better. I remember, guys, I, I, I did not figure on talking about all this. But I remember our, 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 our youth ministry was on Wednesday nights. And so they were in the gym. And that's where the, the, the adults had their, their service. And then we were in one of the classrooms in the school. So maybe say maybe 30 kids. And maybe we'd have 15 kids, sometimes 12, something like that. And, um, and that, would, that would be in the classroom. And so I remember preaching. And um, I, I was preaching about Peter and how Peter was walking on the water to go to Jesus. And something hit me. And I went from being the teacher that was afraid just teaching things and making little notes and expounding on that, those things and then being done in about 10 minutes. I went from that guy to being a preacher on that night. The spirit, the anointing of God hit me, and I forgot. I closed my notes up, and I started preaching about Peter and walking by faith and getting out of the water. I'm like, like, what the heck was going on? I mean, and they're all looking at me like this. I got their attention now. I became a preacher that night, and that, that, that I would now move by revelation and inspiration. And so I remember that, but had I not just simply stepped out into the unknown. Were you scared? Of course I was scared. Were you unsure? Absolutely on 100%. I'd never done it before. But just simply saying yes to God. And we watched the success of that ministry grow. And here we are, a church of maybe 250 at the time, a couple hundred people, and uh, which was successful at five years, maybe four or five years when we finally, about five or six years when we finally gave up the youth ministry. But um, and our youth was about 80 people, 80 young people strong. Now, that was with some uh, of our leaders. But you talk about, that's what, one-third of your church, our young people? God blessed it. Out of somebody, people that didn't know what they were doing. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, our praise and worship leader left. And so I had to fill that gap. And I was the only person in our family who could sing. So that was my job. And I, I said, yes, I'll do that. I literally thought it was going to be four to six week process before we found a brand new leader to take that place. It ended up being five years, and I was the I was the praise and worship, and I grew and I grew and I grew, and I learned to work with adults, and I learned to work with kids, and I learned to work with spiritual dimensions and how to flow with God and all those things. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm growing, just simply by saying yes. My wife took over all of the children's ministry. She'd never done that before. Then we started a school. She became the school principal. She'd never done that before. These are things that we were just saying yes to. And there's so many, many, many more productions and dramas and illustrated sermons and all these different things and, and that we did that we'd never done before, but we said yes, and God blessed it. I believe you find the best of who you are when you serve God. I believe you find your identity and your purpose when you serve in the house of God. So let's pray. Father, that was a huge, long introduction, but Lord... I want to thank you for your presence in this place this morning, Lord God. You promised you'd be here, and you are here. I'm looking at these precious people, Lord God, this morning. I see hunger in their eyes. I see it. I see it. Maybe they didn't come that way, but they're hungry now. That's by your spirit. Continue to do your work, I pray, Holy Spirit, in your church this morning. Speak now through me by revelation, I pray, until we're not the same again. Light in darkness. 
In Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen and amen. So we found out our last two um, meetings that we had together, we're talking about church that makes the difference. And, uh, and it really does, folks. Um, we found out that we are to be involved and engaged in the church. Why? Why are we to be involved and engaged in something called the church? Number one, because Jesus is the founder of it. Jesus founded the church, which we, we found out is the Greek word ecclesia. I like that. I like to say that. It was just, I don't know, satisfying. Ecclesia. Um, and so it is, it is the church. And it, we found it's not a, it is not a spiritual term. It, it was not a religious term, but a political term in those days. It means the called out ones, preferably to the gates of the city. So number one, the reason why we're together together in the church is because Jesus is the founder of his church, the Ecclesia. He called us out of the world and into a brand new family. And we found out also that many times people don't have a good family. They don't have a solid family out here in the earth, in the world, but they find that they have better family together as a church. Or there's a different understanding of one another we have that maybe our family doesn't have of us because maybe they're not saved. And we, we are. We want them to be, though. Number two, we found out this as well, because Jesus died for the church. He died for the church. He gave his life for it. That's how important it is, so that we may experience life together as his people. So he gives his life for the church, not an organization, but an organism. The church is to be alive, and we are alive people. And so that's another reason why we're to be a part of his church. And number three, because Jesus sent the greatest, the greatest gift that, that's ever been given to mankind, and that is the Holy Spirit. To what? To birth the church. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Let me just, I want to bank on this for a little while today about the Holy Spirit because some people are confused about him and what he does, his functions, and so on and so forth, right? The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is an entity. He is uh, a, a person, if you will, in the sense that he has a personality, the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a goosebump. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, boy, that, that music be going real good. Ooh, I feel him. And maybe it, maybe it is and maybe it's not, but we don't go by that because he's not a goosebump. He's not an emotion. He's not an ethereal wisp of smoke. You know, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and he is, in fact, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's important, though, that we understand this today because some people might not understand this when it comes to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is we understand that they are three, but they are one. We do not serve three gods. We have one God. Amen. One God. But in him are three. It is a mystery. It is hard to understand with a natural mind, but you give into it by the Spirit, and by the, you start living that way, and you start to understand it. You can't explain it sometimes, but you begin to understand how it operates. It's just incredible. But there is three persons in one God, and he, in fact, is God. I remember years ago, I was probably in my mid-20s somewhere, young to mid-20s, and we had a guest speaker by the name of Tommy Tenney. Has anybody heard of Tommy Tenney? Tommy Tenney wrote the book, what was it called, The God Chasers, years ago, huge. Uh, huge breakthrough book and, and catapulted him into the, uh, into the limelight of the, of the Christian uh, world, and, and rightfully so. Knew him. He became a great friend of ours. Um, he, became, he was a part of our board. Uh, he, we were close. And so Tommy was, I picked him up from um, the airport and was taking him to his hotel room. We sat out for a little while and was having a conversation. We started talking about the fact, see, he comes from a uh, Jesus-only background. 
United Pentecostal Church. Do we have any United UPC people that's been here that's in here in the house right now? UPC United Pentecostal Church, and uh, they believe that Jesus. They call it the Jesus only people because they do not believe God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. They believe that Jesus is in fact God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We might look and go, well, aren't we saying the same thing? But it's how you perceive or how you look at it, and so. I could care less. To be honest with you, as long as you're born again, you're saved, we're all going to get... By the way, all of us are not right all the time. And when we get to heaven, God will straighten us all out. Hallelujah. We just do the best that we can. But we see the New Testament does express the Trinity. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see it throughout the Word of God. When we baptize, we baptize in the name of Jesus, but according to the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, and by the way, that's what they believe. And so we talked about the, the, this whole thing of, you know, Jesus being the only one. And so I had some questions for him. I said, let me ask you a question. If that's true, I said, because he knew I was a Trinitarian. He said, if that's, I said, if that's true, then how, who talked to Jesus when he came out of the water of Jordan? Uh, and I said, you know, if, if you're saying he's God the Father, then who talked to him from the heavens when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? Well, you have to understand, he starts to, he's trying to get me to be real spiritual about it. I said, come on, Jesus is not a ventriloquist. Come on, somebody. He's not doing that, right? He's not. There is a father. There is a son. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been sent. Jesus had to finish his work, and then he had to go to the cross that all mankind could experience him forever by way of the Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches of the Son, or Jesus rather, teaches of the Father and glorifies the Father, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to glorify and teach us of the Son. Does that make sense? So that all the world can know who he is, that he would be lifted up, right? So I told him, I said, well, one thing, he said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that there's going to be many thrones in heaven? I said, no. He said, we believe there's going to be one. I said, that can't be true. He said, why? I said, because the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, there has to be at least two thrones in heaven. Come on, somebody. So I believe that with all my heart. The Holy Spirit doesn't need a throne because he's here on earth. And we, come on, y'all are the throne of the Holy Spirit in the earth realm. Got to receive that by faith. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, if you will. You can't buy him and you can't get by him. You can't get away from him and you can't get enough of him. You can't ignore him and you can't achieve him. The Bible says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And when you have him, you'll never let him go. Somebody shout, yes! Church, it was in fact the Holy Spirit who birthed the church. Without the Holy Spirit, there could be nothing called the Ecclesia. It would not be on the earth. We get that out of Acts chapter 2 when Jesus said, go in uh, to the city. He said, Jerusalem and tarry there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they went and they tarried. Not one person, but 120 people met in a place, a place, a place called the upper room in a city, a local assembly of people gathering together within a city. You're waiting here till the Holy Spirit comes, and when the Holy Spirit comes, that's going to be the birthing of the church for the first time. And at that moment, the Bible said 2,500 people, after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, also joined the upper room Christian center. Y'all didn't catch that. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Think of it. 
if, if he could ever get the church, if we, could, if we could ever get the church in one accord, haters would have no power. Abortion would be abolished. No child would go to bed hungry at night. Cities would have godly leadership and there'd be prosperity for everyone. Revival would break out from New York to California. And the glory of God would be in every service until the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, cancers flees, hope returns, salvation comes, marriage is restored, minds renewed. And the radical are filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. Remember, it says that they were in one accord in one place. They're in one accord in one place. And when they came in that one accord in the place that Jesus sent them to, he places, he sets the members in the body as it pleases him. He sent them to a place and their responsibility was only to get into one accord. His expectation was you've got to be in unity. And when you're in unity, then the spirit of God will come upon you. We need the Holy Ghost today. We can't fix the problems of this world without the Holy Ghost. My heart grieves over this generation. They're so confused and been inundated with such images and things that we've never seen before. And then we wonder why our kids are on drugs and having to have psychologists and psychiatrists and all the rest of them show up to help them out because they're depressed and record numbers of youth that are killing themselves by suicide. We wonder why. Uh, Pastor Robin was telling about an article she just read out, out of uh, Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue, and, she, and it was, uh, what was it? Just real quick. Um, 15 um, sex toys were left in and um, transgender Did you hear that? On the front page? Teen Vogue put on their 15 sex toys for teen lesbians and teen transgenders. Y'all looking at me like you don't believe me. Look it up for yourself. This is the kind of garbage that they're pushing out there. Or is it that your mind has already been so seared, you're just so used to it nowadays. What's bit, who cares about that, Pastor? We got bigger fish to fry. They're trying to take our children and destroy them. Amen. Anyway. The church was meant for people to come together. The Holy Spirit did not birth the church for people to treat it like the mall or like a grocery store. In other words, I only go when I have a need. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. Huh? Look, you're, you're here this morning, so you should be saying hip, hip, hooray. I mean, it's for them other losers that didn't show up today. It's not for me, praise God. You should be having that kind of attitude. I'm just kidding. Don't have that attitude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't know who you are. Amen. My first time back in one month. That's okay. At least you're back. Hallelujah. No, we don't treat it that way. When I was growing up, um, I, my folks, you heard my testimony a couple weeks ago or whatever it was, and I, we didn't live in a Christian home, but when we got saved, we got all the way saved. I mean, we got all the way saved. Whatever that book said to do, we did it. And um, we weren't a perfect family, but we were definitely a family that was following hard after, hard after God. And... Um, Anyways, uh, we, there was no question if we were going to go to church on Sunday morning. There was no question on Wednesday night we had church that we were going to go to church on Wednesday night. 
There was no question that whatever the church was doing midweek, if it was something uh, that the church needed us to be there for, we were going to be there for it. Because my folks believed that we should be about God's business and doing what God called. And they were not full-time ministries. My dad drove a truck and my mom cleaned houses once in a while. That's what, that's what they were just hardworking people. But they had to call God in life, but they, they didn't even know about all that. They would just want to serve in the house of God. So I remember being, you know how kids, you're just tired of going to church, you know? Sometimes you're just tired. I remember telling them, I don't feel good. I don't care if you don't feel good. I remember saying, my, my mom said, I'm just tired. My mom said, you better get up, boy. I'm going to wear your rear end out. You better get up, be dressed, and be ready to go with a smile on your face. We're going to serve Jesus today. <laughs> I was raised in the house of God. If you're tired, just lay down on the pew over there or under the pew. We used to put the kids under the pews, praise God. They don't take a nap. That's fine. They're fine because we didn't have one-hour services like they demand for us to have today. They were at least two and a half to three-hour services, minimum, minimum. And then my folks like to stay and talk to every single person, every person. We're the, not kidding you, last people to leave on a Wednesday night for sure. And it's a big church. And so I grew up that way. You know, you're tired, you want to get home, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so I'm just here to tell you that we need to, we need to get back to that and raising our children because both my, my sister and I are serving God. She pastors a church in Phoenix. I pastor here in Milwaukee. None of us plan to do any of that stuff. God's using us today because we have a love and affinity for the house of God. I remember my, my uh, thank you. I remember, <clears throat> thank you. I remember years ago on a Wednesday in the summertime, um, being with my, my cousin was my best friend, Matt, and, um, and uh, we would hang out together through the, through the week in, in, in summertime. And so I remember my mom was coming to pick us up. Well, she was picking me up because she wanted me to go to church. I had to go to church on Wednesday night. So Matt's like, can I go, Mom? Can I go? No, no, no. We're not going to go. We're not going to do that tonight. Your dad's tired or whatever it was. Some excuse, something happened. And it wasn't the first time I heard it, but that was the first time I remember it. And I remember him just kind of tearing up. He couldn't do it. And she said, you just want to play with your friends. Don't, you know, don't act like that. You just want to go. And I'm thinking, well, who are you to judge anybody's heart? And it, who cares if they're going to go see their friends? What, what, what does it matter? The bait on the hook is just the bait on the hook. But they're going to, they're going to hear about Jesus when they get there. And so uh, I remember that. And, you know, to, my, to this day, and I, I mean no disrespect to my family, but to this day, their kids are not serving the Lord at all. Don't go to church. Don't serve God, period. Not even born again. Uh, they've got, they, well, I shouldn't say they're not born again. That's probably wrong of me. But they don't, they don't have the works of somebody who's been born again. That's between them and God. But my point to you is this, is, I, and I know their life. There's been a lot of suffering along the way, a lot of loss along the way. I'm just here to tell you, I think there's a better road for us. Maybe instead of telling our kids we're too tired, we celebrate church and we get involved in it and we're excited about it. <clears throat> I bet you my mom and dad were pretty tired too, working all day and everything else, but it was just something we just did. This is what we do as a family. Once again, we need each other to come together in one place, in one accord. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14. You gotta get this one by Revelation. It says this, you are the light of the world. He's talking of the collective, the collaborative. He's talking of the mosaic. He's talking of the corporate. He's saying not just you, Amos, but he's saying you, Jeff Amos. This is what he's saying, us. 
You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they, everybody say they. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Well, he gives us the directive, but the revelation that we're missing is, the Bible, Jesus said, they light a lamp. How many people does it take to light a lamp? I mean, theoretically, it only takes one, right? But he had an expectation that the collective, the church would come together and together they would light the lamp that would light up their world, that people would be drawn to the light and come out of utter darkness. There's an expectation that when Jesus speaks to the church, he doesn't speak to just one, but he speaks to all of us together. And that when we're all together in one accord, then his power can show up, then his light can shine. All right, back to Acts chapter two, verse two. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Wow. Could you imagine sitting there and just all of a sudden, whoo, I mean, the, the, the drapes in the window are moving back and forth and all of a sudden you're hearing a sound like this rushing mighty wind coming through. I mean, could you imagine? Sounds like a party to me, y'all. Sounds like a good time. Everybody shout it's party time. And what I mean by that is church should be a celebration. When we come to the house of God, it shouldn't be about me folding my arms, grabbing a hold of the chair in front of me. I should be loose. Come on, y'all, loose. Hey. Right? Why? We go to the club. When you went to the club, you got loose. Well, I wasn't always, I had to take a couple drinks before I got loose. Okay, well, take a couple sips of the Holy Ghost before you come in here. Come on. Jesus. And become the life of the party. Come on. He loves to see his people rejoicing and celebrating him in the house of God. And acting like it's a party for one. They ain't concerned about nobody else around them. They shout. They dance. They cry. They get emotional. They move a little bit. They sway a little bit. Come on. Amen. Church is a celebration. Shouldn't be stoic. It's not a funeral procession. You know what churches I go to, and I, every now and again, you might not, I don't you understand this or not, but I, I'll, I'll go by a church in our city, my city, here in Milwaukee, and I'll see a church and I go, I wonder, what do. I wonder, what, I wonder what goes on in that church. And so I'll look them up and I'll go to their websites and I'll watch their stuff. Nowadays, before a couple years ago, nobody was on. Uh, you know, uh, social media, and nobody was filming their services, but everybody's had to do it. So you pretty much find any church now and watch their services. And you watch the services, and dear God, I don't mean to judge, but uh, I would never go to a church like that. Pastor's got a pretty good word, you know, good solid word, but there's no life in the church. There's churches that don't believe in having instruments on the platform. Hallelujah, bless them. That's okay, that's fine, I guess. But I, I, I like a little loud music. I want a, t a little toe tap, and I, I want to feel it, praise God. Turn the bass, boom, boom. I want I want to feel it, amen. Now, the older I get, we can bring it down maybe one or two notches, but I still like it loud, praise God, amen. <laughs> but, but my point is, uh, is, is that you, you find that most people don't know how to celebrate Jesus. He's a celebration, 
When they came out of that upper room, what did they all say in the streets? How come y'all are drunk and ain't even noon yet? They thought they had, they were up all night partying. And yet they had not been. They just had been experiencing and drinking in the Holy Spirit. And it looked like a celebration. Acts chapter 2 says the Holy Spirit filled the whole house. Oh, when I saw this, this is just two days I saw this little revelation right here. The Holy Spirit filled the house. Not only does the Holy Spirit fill a person, but according to Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fills a place. He fills a space. He fills a place that you dedicated to him. So now they were in the church, their first church called the Upper Room, Upper Room Christian Center, hallelujah, in Jerusalem, amen.org. And they were there. And, and now, now, uh, now then, as their, their ability to become into one accord, they dedicate that place and God comes. When we, when we dedicate this place to the Lord, it gave the Lord the right to come in this place. Before this place, this was Marcus Theater. Six, there were six theaters here. You're in two of them right now. And there's one over there and there have been two in that direction in, the, in our children's ministry. Six altogether. 36,000 square foot facility. And we bought it. It looked like a theater. It smelled like a theater. An old one, an old musty one. You know, when they dropped the pop all over the floor and stuff and sticky and spots, we had to kind of do, deal with all that. And, and so, it, it, but, but when we came here, we dedicated this place to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've never seen this in the scriptures before in my life. I've never heard anybody say it. Maybe they have. I have not. Because I've always been careful to go, hey, the Holy Spirit's inside you. But I just found proof that the Holy Spirit will also come and fill a place. That's why sometimes I come in here in the middle of the night. I don't know what it is. I walk in and instantly start weeping because there's something about this place. Something about this space that has been permeated with the presence of God through prayer and praise and worship and the preaching of his word. Angels are stationed in this place. He showed me that. There are four angels in this room, minimum, minimum, right now, one in each corner of this sanctuary right now. They're also one in each corner of, of the, the children's ministry. They are in this place right now. Not, not discounting yours or mine, but they're here permanently. The, the, this, is, this is important because God met his people corporately in a particular place. And it became a local assembly. This is the ecclesia. This is an experience that we receive from him corporately that we cannot get from him privately. Let me make it very abundantly clear. Your private time with God is precious and it is, it is, it is priceless. Your private time with God is the most essential part of what you do without a doubt. I will not take that away from you because I believe in that. I've had very, very... Uh, powerful times with the Lord by myself. But there's something to be said that when we come together in a collective, there's something about that anointing to deal with each other and to have to put up with each other. And we don't all believe the same way and think the same way, but we have to love one another. There's something about that God loves about that, that he fills that space in a different way that you cannot get on your own. We get our directives from heaven in this place. You have your personal ones, but you do not have the corporate one from heaven. The corporate one from heaven comes from the church, his church that he set up. Churches today, um, <clears throat> churches today want to uninvite the, the rightful host 
of the very place that they've gathered in. It's interesting to me, uh, a lot of the seeker sense, sense of friendly type churches today that have fall, fell into that, that trap. And I got, God gave me a vision. It was an open vision um, five years ago or so. And, and I believe that's, that vision has to do with it changing in these last days that, that a lot of those ministers, and they're going to get on fire for God and they're going to change their, their, their purpose and their direction. Try to, their whole purpose right now is let's just not offend anybody and maybe that way we can preach Jesus. But Jesus said, I came to bring a sword and I'll divide everything in your life is what he said. You're going to have to choose me and it may not be easy to make a decision for me. Go sell your goods to everybody and feed the poor and come follow me. He didn't make it easy. Take up your cross and follow me. This is what he said to do, right? It's never going to be easy to follow him, so you can't try to make it that way. That's antichrist. That's not what God does, right? So they will try to uninvite him from the very place that they're gathering. It's like me saying, Alex, man, I love your house, man. You guys got it decorated so nice, you and Mel. Um, you know, I, I was going to have this party at my house. Okay, good, great, great. Just one thing, if you guys wouldn't show up, if you guys would just maybe be somewhere else that night, I just want to use your house, but I don't necessarily want the hosts of the house to be there. How offensive is that when we say we want people to come to the house of God, but then we uninvite the host, the Holy Spirit, and say, we don't want you to hurt us. Don't embarrass us. We treat the Holy Spirit like that, that crazy uncle in the family. When all the family comes over, we put them in a the back room. Come on, somebody. Put some cartoons on, lock the door, duct tape them to the chair, and say, now don't come out of here. Why? We don't want him embarrassing us, right? We don't want him to do that. That's how, that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. I want to make this statement. This church, Faith Builders, will always allow the moving of the Holy Spirit. That is his church. This is his space. Come on, so I say amen. And there's been a move in the body of Christ to rewrite the script concerning the Holy Spirit. They water down the gospel, remove the very power of God by taking the Holy Ghost out of their services as to not to offend anyone. That's called the form of godliness the Bible warns us of, but denies the power thereof. Saints, the Holy Spirit doesn't need a new title. He doesn't need a new job description. He is God and he gets to do with his church as he pleases. He doesn't deserve a restrictive environment. If you will allow him to move, he'll blow our minds with what he can do. His exploits are great. What he needs is not restriction. What he needs is freedom. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Acts chapter 2, verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them, of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How many were filled? All of them. And they began to speak with other tongues. How many spoke with other tongues? <laughs> How many were filled? How many spoke with other tongues? Yeah, there you go. Because some of you don't mind being filled, but it's like, I don't want to talk to them tongues. Don't give me them tongues now. Let me ask you something. It's a gift. The Bible says that it's a gift of God. If God gives you a gift, do you think it's going to be a bad gift? Um, Prophet Miller used to always say, don't worry about it. If you don't like it, give it back. At least try it. Praise God, right? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many got filled with the Holy Ghost in this church? Let me see your hand. You were filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. Wow. Well over 50%, 60%. Okay, put them down. How many got filled... Um, um, by the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking tongues in another ministry, another church years ago. Okay, 
How many got filled with the Holy Ghost um, at home, at work, any, anywhere other than the, than the church? Let me see your hands. Four. Anyone else? So four, four people. How many are not filled with the Holy Ghost? Let me just see. You don't spit, just, just curious. One. No, Kendra, you are. Did you say you're not? I was going to say. She's like one of my lead intercessors. Get up here right now. You're not leaving this place till you speak in tongues. How many's not filled? Just, I'm not going to do anything today. Don't worry about it. Don't, unless you want me to. Okay. One, maybe two. Okay. Can you see the percentages here? That, first of all, 60% of y'all got filled right here. Thank God for faith builders. Hallelujah. Thank God for faith builders. You got filled here. Okay. Five, six, ten class. All right. Now, um, about 40%, no, it's about not 60, but about 30%. Uh, more, actually about 35%, uh, got filled in another church. Give it up for them. Praise God. So that is 95% of the people in this room got filled in a local church with the Holy Spirit. Others of you got filled at home, and that's okay. Sometimes you watch a Christian program, and they, they say, hey, just we want to invite you to say this prayer, and you got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got filled with the Holy Ghost uh, when I was a little kid in church, but I lost it, and, and I came back to the Lord. I was at work, and the Lord says, just start speaking. I said, I can just speak it? He said, just do it. You're filled. I started speaking right at work. So I'm, I'm not against I got saved at work, so I'm not against that. But I'm saying, but the largest percentage of people get saved and they get filled with the Holy Ghost in the local church. And yet we tear it down. We talk behind the pastor's back. We say how much they're not doing this and how much more they need to be doing that. As if we don't know already, praise God. Look, Pentecost isn't just for those people on the other side of the tracks. When my, when my great-grandmother's mother was coming up in the 20s, that, anybody who's filled with the Holy Ghost during that time was considered to be those people. Those, those uh, pew jumping, chandelier swinging, you know, hopping, what do they call them? Uh, you know, Pentecostals, right? That speak in tongues and stuff and have trances. And my great grandmother would have trances. She'd have visions. She was prophetic. Um, she probably, no one ever said it that way before. That's how, what she was. And, um, and she was Pentecostal. They were considered the other side of the track, okay? That's not what it is. Pentecost is for all of God's people. Pentecost is for the demonstration of the power of God to show up. Can you be saved without being filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. You can go run your whole life knowing Jesus going to heaven, but not really experiencing his power. Not really being plugged into the power source. Not having a discernment you need to have in this world to be able to do what God's called you to do and know what God's saying to do and so on and so forth. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. Amen. You, you want to know how powerful the Holy Spirit is when, when you're speaking in tongues? Your Bible says it will build you up on your most holy faith. So, I do that for a few minutes. I'm getting fired up. I start getting fired up. Why? It's building my faith where all things are possible. So it looked impossible. Now I feel it's absolutely in my reach by no other means, no natural understanding that I could do that except by way of the Holy Spirit revealing this to me or empowering me. When's the last time you spent 15 minutes praying in the Holy Ghost? I challenge you this week to spend 15 minutes with God every day. Oh my good. And just go. Some of y'all just got one word. Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. That's fine. Hang with that until God gives you another one. Hallelujah. 
And maybe that's just a language. It could be just a language you have. Who knows? But it's yours. Use it. Get filled up with, the, with, with fresh, fresh faith from God. If you want to properly watch over your kids, pray in the Holy Ghost. You can't know everything your kids are going through and going to and watching and seeing and hanging out with. They lie. I love them, but they're little liars, praise God. Not all of them, but I was. Amen. I was the biggest. That's why I don't trust. They don't, I don't trust any kids. I was a liar. I told my mom what she needed to hear, praise God, so I could go do my sin. Come on, somebody. But my parents were both praying people. My mother and father prayed in the Holy Ghost over their children. There are times that I would get caught in my sin before I could sin. I got away with some things, but I didn't get away with everything. And probably the things that were, that was, probably the things that probably would have t- taken my life, but I didn't know it, were the things that I got caught in. And I remember I went to a friend's, the first time I went to this guy's house, I knew him at school. And we had made it all this plan. We we're going to meet some girls around midnight. Now we're 14 years old, guys. And, we're gonna, and, and we knew we were going to steal some liquor on the liquor, liquor cabinet from his mom and dad and her, his mom's car. And we were going to go drink and, and pick up them girls and God knows what else, right? That was our plan. So I asked my parents if I could spend the night, and they said, yes, I could. They had a house full of people that night. I don't know why. I don't remember the whole circumstances. They, they had some money. They were wealthy people. It was a big house. And they had that big, like a big little party going on. I don't know what was going on. Maybe the older siblings had friends. I don't know. But there was quite a few people there. And, and so we were in his room. We, were, we finally got in the liquor cabinet. We stole a bottle of liquor. We're getting this already, getting, getting prepared. I know where she keeps the keys, all this stuff, right? And we're snickering and we're on the phone talking to the girls and we're going to do this and that. And so, and so, he's an idiot. And so, um, <laughs> but um, all of a sudden, it's probably about 10.30 at night, maybe 10.45. It's late. And um, uh, one of his siblings came and said, hey, uh, your friend, uh, his mother's, his dad, dad's on the phone. And I, I said, for me? He goes, yeah, your dad's on the phone for you. I'm thinking, how did he even get the number to the house? So I get in the phone. He says, uh, get your stuff together. Your mom and I are coming to pick you up right now. I said, why? Just do what I say to do. Get your stuff together. We're coming to pick you up right now. Get it together. I'm embarrassed. You know how it is. I, gotta tell you, I don't even know why I'm being picked up. I, have no, what, I mean, there's no way they could have known anything that was going on whatsoever. Impossibility, right? And so obviously we didn't do what we did. And, and uh, my parents picked me up. And my mother's screaming at me, boy. I don't know all that you had planned tonight, but the Holy Spirit told me, I was praying over you, and the Holy Spirit told me, pick him up. He's up to no good. That's what you get when you got parents that pray in the Holy Spirit. You start picking stuff up. You may not have all the details, but you know something ain't right. Something's wrong in here. And you have a responsibility if it embarrasses your kids, so be it. You have a responsibility. Who knows? My God, could you imagine us drinking some of that liquor, getting down the road and getting killed in a car accident? And my parents had to live with the fact I felt like there was something, but I didn't respond because I didn't want to embarrass them. I just believe that's the way you parent. If the Holy Spirit birthed the church, I'm, clo- I'm closing, and called you out from the world and into his church, don't you think it's important to attend it? Don't you think it's important to pray for it? Don't you think it's important to work in it, work with it? 
Don't you think it's important to finance it, to fund it well? The Muslims, and I'm not picking the Muslims, I love those people. And I've been, they've been, the ones I've met have been so good to me and kind. I, I don't pick on them. But they have a dedication that Christians don't have. Maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it's out of fear because Christianity offers freedom to do as you will and God says, but this is the way I want you to walk. You can choose. Other religions is if you don't do it this way, you're damned. Maybe that's really what's going on here. I'm not sure. But it, it makes me mad, if I can say it that way, that I watch and I see my Muslim friends buying up property by the tens of millions of dollars, building huge places and, um, for their people. They build educational stuff and they, they uh, schools and they build their mosques, of course, and then they build uh, their um, uh, workout facilities for their people. And they just, they just take care of it that way. And they pay for everything cash, y'all, debt-free. And only 16 to 17% of the church at large gives. And then we're expected to reap a massive harvest and do all these incredible things, all these programs and have answers for the city and trying to live on a shoestring budget is just wrong. And this church is higher than that. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all are doing better than most. But that doesn't mean everybody's doing the right thing either. I'm just here to tell you that that shouldn't be. If, if Jesus truly is the founder of his church and he truly died for his church, sent his Holy Spirit to that place where our lives are being affected in a great way, getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, learning instructions of God's ways, being encouraged one with another, helping one another, Konania, the fellowship, all the wonderful things that come with the local church, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's his place, then we should at least be those who say yes to him in everything. You want me to attend? Yes, I'll be there in one accord in that place that you called me to because you set me at Faith Builders. This is where I'm called to be. And this is not an indictment, those who watch us, because we're, you're there because we want you to be able to hear us and see us and participate because you can't be here. But for those who can be, man, this is your moment to shine. This is your moment to come together and be with us in one accord. Because again, privately is good, but there's something about corporate. There's something about fighting your way to get up in the morning and get dressed and take a shower, brush your teeth, get here, get the parking spaces far out and it's too far away in the rain or whatever and come in here and find a seat or somebody didn't smile at you or whatever. Dealing with people's personalities. Something about that that God loves. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's not my way, it's your way, God, because you said do it. Obviously, you know, I gotta say this. This, I, I want to save almost for a message, but I heard this and it was from C.S. Lewis. Uh, is he the one that wrote, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. Brilliant man. And, and uh, love stuff. He had a statement that somebody quoted. I don't remember who it was. And I wrote it down. Oh, that's powerful. He said, God is good, but he is not safe. I went, whoa. The revelation that hit me out of that was tremendous. God is good, but he is not safe. If you're going to serve this God, it will cost you something. People will not like you. People will hate you. People want to throw you down and kill you if they can. 
uh, you'll find that you'll be challenged in areas you never were challenged before, in your finances, in your marriage, and areas the devil will let come to attack. It's not that God's not safe, but serving him. So when we step out to serve God and do what God wants us to do, I can almost promise me, you, all of us, that it's not going to be easy on my flesh. It's going to be difficult. It's going to maybe do something I really don't want to do. But I'm going to do it because God has asked me and obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? I really had a lot more to say. I'm done with the series. But I, I will tell you that um, I just want to give you some attributes of the Holy Spirit. But you can look online and find those out for yourself if you want to. Um, but he's wonderful. He's everything. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, man, this, the first thing I want you to do is begin to seek that out and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. Let him come and fill you. And then by faith, just step out and speak that language. Will the Holy Spirit take my tongue and move it for me? No, it's by faith. I have to make the first step. I say the first word that comes up. I just kind of feel it coming up, and I just let it happen. Next thing you know, my tongue is loosed, and I'm speaking in a heavenly language that's between me and God. Why did God do that? Why did God give you that language? There's many purposes, but one of the greatest reasons I see in the word is it's a language that's between you and him. So when I speak in that language, the devil cannot hear what I'm saying. It's like it's a private conversation between me and God, and I am speaking to him in that language, and I'm also, by the way, I'm speaking for him that the devil can't understand. So the enemy, the enemy is a strategist. Let's give him that. He will strategize to attack, but if he doesn't know how to attack, he can't. That's the power of tongues. Amen and amen.